And I just want to remind you again, as we begin today, um, to really consider, the scripture says that this is the Lord's commandment, that we love one another, that our joy might be full. Just think about the, even that one verse as we begin today. The Lord's commandment is that we love one another, that our joy might be full, complete, absolute. Now, I don't know about you, but uh, that is in and of itself enough for me to make this my great goal. Now, of course, we cannot repeat everything we've already gone over in the previous six sessions, but I, I, I would commend you to listen to them if you would. I think you'll gain from them. But right now, let me pray, and we're going to look at some verses in 1 John today, which is an incredible. The whole book needs to be meditated on much because of how much revelation there is there about God's love. But Father... In the mighty name of Jesus, I give you thanks once again for the greatness of your grace and your love wherein we stand today, and that you loved us while we were yet dead in our sins and trespasses. And yet you loved us so much you gave your only begotten Son to redeem us, to forgive our sins, and to cleanse us from any and all unrighteousness that we might be called sons of God daughters of God. So, Father, I thank you this morning for your grace. I thank you this morning for your truth. Your truth is anointed. All truth is anointed. And anointings break chains. They cause stuff to fall apart and for good to come. So I thank you, Holy Spirit, for your anointings and that you would help me, that you would touch my lips, that you would speak through me to aid and to benefit the listeners to this message. In the mighty, mighty name of Jesus, the Son of God, I pray this and I give you thanks for it. Amen. Amen. Well, in First John, like I said, uh, as, as I as we move into some of the scriptures here, like I said, I'm going to go to 1 John 3, then back to 1 John 1, back and forth. You really need, as I said, to read the whole book. But as I was praying this morning about uh, sharing this message, this, this particular one, I was thinking again about how here is the Apostle John. Now, to my knowledge, I think he outlived all the other apostles. You'll remember that he was the one that was, they tried to kill by boiling in oil, but he would not die. So they, ex they exiled him to the Isle of Patmos, where again, the Spirit of God came on him, and he was given the entire uh, revelation, the book of Revelation, and a vision. But he's an old man here. He's uh, truly the elder of the elder of the elders of the church. And I think that's interesting because, you know, as you get older and older and older in Christ, the more you realize, like he did, that the essential of everything that Jesus came to do was surrounded and embraced and cultivated with love. Again, but not the world's kind of love, the God kind of love. He loved us while we were dead in sins and trespasses. And remember Ephesians 1 says that we are to walk in love and copy and imitate our Father as He did. Jesus said, even as I was sent into the world, so do I send you. We're literally people who are sent to show the world a very different kind of love, a very different kind. And like I said, we're not talking about romantic, as it were, love or that. We're talking about something that is selfless, that has all power, that has all wisdom, which is God himself, God being love. And like we've said already in previous messages, 
God's pretty wise. That means love is pretty wise. God can see pretty well. That means those who walk in love see possibly better than others and so on. But this is an old man, the Apostle John here, and at the end he writes this epistle and the next two, the little ones, and uh, he's just full of the revelation. I want you to understand that this is the message, that we love one another. That's one of his statements. This, a lot of people say, what is the major message of the Scripture? But And that's it. It literally says, this is the message, that we love one another. But again, the God kind, that we relate to one another, we aid, we help, we instruct, we do whatever we need to do. But the first verse I'm going to go to is 1 John 3, verse 1. It says in the Amplified, See what an incredible quality of love the Father has given and shown and bestowed on us that we should be permitted to be named and called and counted the children of God. And so we are. And then he goes on to say the reason the world doesn't recognize us is because it did not recognize him. King James says, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. One thing that stopped me years ago in the beginning of my study of this, I thought to, about the fact that the Holy Spirit, of course, is the author of all the Scripture. And uh, in my thinking, yeah, I may be incorrect, whatever, but what manner of love is this? that the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. And it struck me that the Holy Spirit maybe was even searching, as it were. How, you know, it's amazing that God has taken these vessels of earth and dirt and dust and called them His children, sons and daughters. And that, you know, it's an incredible thought. We just glaze over it that we're a son of God, but we're sons of God. That speaks to the whole Judea system of understanding about birthright and, and legacy and inheritance and everything. We're sons and daughters of God. But I love this statement, and when I taught this years ago, I've always had these two basic illustrations, so I'm going to give the same ones, where it says, see what an incredible quality of love. Now, you know what? Uh, we can all recognize quality. At least, I'm sure we've had experience. You recognize quality, whether it be in uh, clothes or cars or food or whatever. You recognize quality. And I always go back to, like I said, these two thoughts. When I was a younger man, and, and uh, I don't remember if I saved yet or not, but I had an old Volkswagen Beetle. You know what I mean? Volkswagen Bug. I mean, this thing was beat up, tore up, squeaked, but you know, it just kept on running. It was a good little car. And as, I, as you know, I'm from Bakersfield, California, which is in the San Joaquin Valley, and we're about 105 miles uh, north of Los Angeles. And between us and that, there's this mountain range, which we call part of it the grapevine. And you have to go up the steep, steep incline and get over to then before you get down in the valley and move through like San Bernardino and get to Los Angeles proper. Well, they had a thing at the L.A. arena called the L.A. Expo, the Auto Expo, where they had all these incredible vehicles and sports cars, one heavy. And a friend of mine and I decided we would go. And so I got my old VW with Kim, but I mean, we chugged and cranked and chugged and chugged along, get up this hill to go these 105 miles. And I mean, you know, creaking along, everything, making noise. And so we got there. And to get to the point, when we got into the arena, you know, the incredible quality of these vehicles were just 
outstanding. And in those days, they used to allow you to get in the cars and even they'd let you fire up the engine sometimes while the, you know, the, the fellow that was around them. And there was this one car back then called a Ghia Mangusta. I don't know why, but I still remember it. And I remember it had an engine that had been created and engineered by a guy named Dave Tomasi, who was very well known as far as, you know, engineering race cars. It had 12 Weber side draft carburetors. Some of you probably have no idea what I'm talking about. But long story short, I got in there. I sat in this car, you know, and I closed the door and the, the door closed. You know how they say you can tell a lot about a car, an automobile car by how the door closes, how it sounds. You know, and the door pulled shut, perfect, you know. All this leather, triple stitched leather everywhere, you know, and I'd start this and they let me start this thing up. And I started this thing up, you know, the power, you know, you could just sense the depth and the strength of this automobile. It was incredible. It was absolutely right in front of your face. This is quality. Oh my gosh, this is quality. We left the show, walked out to the car park, and I came up to my old Beetle, you know, put my key in, like that, opened the door, you know what I mean? Got in, started up, a little bit, you know, anyhow, I drive and I limp all the way home. Now, the thing is, both are vehicles, this Gia Mongusta and my Volkswagen Bug, both are cars. Um, both were able to get me to where I needed to go, would have been, you know, had I had opportunity to drive the Gia. But the point is, the difference in quality was so absolutely clear that there could be no denying, denying the difference between that Gia and my old bug. And see, this is what the Spirit of God is trying to say through the Scripture. Look, behold the quality of this love. It's different than any love you've ever seen. My other illustration is when I first came to London all those many years ago, and I had lost all kinds of weight and what have you. And anyhow, this fellow wanted to bless me. So he took me down to, now, see, I'm not a clothes horse. I'm a country boy. Raised in the country, you know, with eight acres of strawberries and sweet corn and stuff. And then up in the mountains in Greenhorn Mountain. And uh, up above uh, Bakersfield, California, like I said, the Sierra Madres. And uh, so I'm, I'm a, I wear Levi's flannel shirts. I mean, that's the way I was raised. You know what I mean? We were country. We didn't have, I'm not a clothes horse is what I'm trying to say. Somebody that longs and lives to just have all kinds of, uh, of clothes and wear, if you see what I'm trying to say. So I was never concerned much about clothes, but as I said, when I got to London, this fellow wanted to bless me, so he took me to, of course, what I now know was world-famous Savile Row, and he took me to a store that was had Tommy Nutter. I don't know if you've ever heard of Tommy Nutter, but back in the day when I first came over, this is 1970, 78, he took me in there. Now, like I said, you know, I had a couple of jackets, sport coats, one heavy, and, you know, I'd put on a sport and I could feel it. But I had no idea whatsoever the difference that could be felt physically in a piece of apparel. And any long story short, he takes me in here. I know I got to quit saying long story short. But he took me in this shop and they outfitted me and he bought me this Tommy Nutter jacket. I slipped that thing on and I went, oh my gosh, it just felt, I, I mean, you could just simply feel literally the incredible quality of this jacket compared to just the old jackets I'd buy at, you know, some men's store. 
And all I'm trying to get at is this, is you and I do, we recognize quality and we've got, when we come to this issue of the love of God, we've got to see beyond our normally understood definitions. I've said that almost every session, but this is something that's got to get through to your head from your spirit. This love is different from any other love there is. See what an incredible quality this is. This is the highest. This isn't a Volkswagen Beetle. God bless them today. This is like way beyond Bentley and Lamborghini. This is, you know, you can't even, those, those, that, you know, pales in nothingness compared to what we're talking about, of course, because that's a worldly thing. But I want you to catch it. The Spirit of God is saying this. See what an incredible quality. And that's what you need to see. We need to see the quality of this love and understand its power, its strength, its necessity for us to walk in. Because again, it is the key. It is the foundation. It is what, again, we are to be rooted and founded in the love of God so that we might be able to be a person filled with the very fullness of God himself. My gosh. Linnea, so that's incredibly powerful. So I want you to think on that. Now I want you to turn in the same chapter, rather, first chapter three. Now listen to this one. First chapter, uh, I'm first John chapter three, the second half of verse eight. Now I'll, I'll read the first half. I'll read the whole verse. This is first John three, eight. But he who commits sin, who practices, now this is the thing that I had to catch back in the day. It says in the King James, he who commits sin is of the devil. Well, that freaked me out because I knew I still missed it in places. <laughs> I did not want to be the devil. But this speaks to somebody who consistently practices sin. In other words, they just don't care. They've got unbelief in their life and they just keep doing the same wrong thing over and over again. And that's why he says this kind of person is really basically of the devil. But he who commits sin, who practices evil doing, is of the devil. He takes his character from the evil one. For the devil has sinned and violated the divine law from the beginning. <clears throat> but here's this classic truth. The reason, <clears throat> now think about this, the reason the Son of God was made manifest, made visible, was to undo, destroy, loosen, and dissolve the works the devil has done. <clears throat> Excuse me. Remember in the beginning, like I told you, God had me read the whole New Testament and every place I saw any of the personal pronouns referring to God, the Father, the Son, Jesus. He said, put love in there. And of course, when I read that, then I said, I read it like this. The reason the Son of Love was made, was, was made manifest. The reason love was made manifest. The reason, this is the reason God sent this love. God sent this quality of love to do this. To undo, destroy, loosen, dissolve the works of the devil. Now, please, my gosh, catch that. This is what destroys the works of the devil. Love, the son of love, the son of God, who is love. So Jesus is, you know, the birth of love was another love, a son of love. Love came to undo. The works of the devil. Have you ever seen something so tied up like cords, some so messed, messed up? I mean, my gosh, like Christmas tree lights at Christmas. Have you ever pulled out a bunch of them? You go, oh my gosh, going to take forever to undo this stuff. Love undoes what the devil has messed up. 
The reason love was made manifest and visible was to undo, destroy, loosen, and dissolve the works the devil has done. Now, how many of you know what WD-40 is? Of course, anybody's ever worked on a car, worked around a pipe or dinner, you know what I mean, any kind of bolts and stuff, you know that things get mired up with rust from age and what have you. They just get locked tight and what have you. And this guy invented this incredible stuff called WD-40 that went all around the world. And you know that you take this and you spray it on like a bolt that will not turn, spray it around the outside, and what does it do? It like instantly eats away the corrosion, eats away all the rust, and what was totally unable to turn suddenly is able to turn to be loosened so that you can do, do your work. And see, that so hit me as well. It's the love of God. See, some situations are so mired up some situations in people's lives are so messed up. Now, would that every single time we pray for somebody, we got a miracle. I mean, an instantaneous, you know, happening. But it often isn't that way, is it? But see, it's the love of God. If you keep applying the love, you apply the love little by little. It destroys that stuff. It breaks it apart. It causes the situation to have the ability to turn. But it's love. You have to apply love to a thing. Uh, you do not get people saved by preaching fear, death, condemnation, and you're going to go to hell. Remember, that's not what it's all about. We all remember the basic truth of Romans 2.4. He said, are you shamefully ignorant of the fact that it's the goodness, it's the kindness of God that's intended to draw your hearts and minds to repent, to change the way you think? It's a hallmark of all God's Word. Don't you understand? It's the kindness. It's the love of God that causes stuff to change. When you keep loving people that don't deserve it, you love people. This is what God does. He loved you and you did not deserve it at all. And well, however good you think you were, you fell short of the glory that God needed to see. But God, so great is he in his love, so great in he is he in his compassion toward us, loved us again while we were dead in sin and in trespasses. But he just kept loving us, loved us so much he sent his son. You and I are supposed to have this quality in us, which we do according to Romans 5, which tells us that God's love has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to us. So it's in there. In other words, you and I, we have the capacity, we do right now, to love like God loved. That means to look at somebody to see how maybe filthy their sin is, how corrupt and messed up and bent and crooked and, you know, the word wicked means twisted. You just see how twisted the thinking is. But we're not to batter them. We're not to beat them over the head with the Bible. It's the love of God that undoes, that loosens, that dissolves the works of the devil. Please hear this. At some point, we have to come back to this. This is why, like I said, the Apostle John in his old age, he's trying to communicate, guys, I've seen it over all of my years. This is what works. It's the love of God. It's the love of God. So that's 1 Corinthians, um, John, I mean, 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, loose and resolve. Now, I, I, like I wrote in my notes here, excuse me, I'm just going to say, love is a person. It isn't something. 
It's someone. Romans 13.10 says, Love works no ill to his neighbor, not its. In other words, it's a personal pronoun. His is a personal pronoun designating person. Designating a person. Love birthed many sons to destroy the works of the devil. That's why you and I are here. Again, as Jesus was sent into this world, so have you been sent once you received him. I'm here to destroy the works of the devil. I am. Absolutely. But you're here to destroy the works of the devil. And this is why some people stay bound themselves. They're so busy trying to help themselves that they don't understand that to a vast degree, you know, it's when you start loving others, it's when you start sowing God's grace and strength and love to others that your own mess gets sorted out because God set this eternal principle in motion. We sow that we might reap. See, we sow goodness and you reap goodness. You sow kindness, you sow healing, and you'll reap healing. All kinds of, I mean, it's just incredible when you look at that. Hallelujah. Now I'd like us to go to 1 John 3, 14. Um, this, to me, is just an incredible verse. 1 John 3, 14. Listen to this from the Amplified Bible. We know. That's the first two words. Now remember, I think I've shared with you in previous messages. The word know, K-N-O-W, it doesn't mean a an acquaintance with. The word know in the Greek, this word know, speaks of an incredible depth of intimacy. It's something that you have absolute knowledge of. You're, you're so aware of. I mean, you see it clearer than you see anything. It's, it speaks to incredible intimacy. And again, it's actually the word for intercourse. In other words, when Adam knew Eve, she got pregnant. That's what this, this means, that depth of, of, of uh, a relationship. So here's what John says, this old man who knows about love. We know that we have done what? That we passed over out of death into life, with a capital L, by the fact that we love the brethren our fellow Christians. But listen to this. He who does not love abides, remains, is held, and kept continually in spiritual death. Did you hear that? He who does not love, he who does not love is held continually in a place of spiritual death. Now, again, as I've shared before, death in the Bible never, never means to cease to exist. It speaks of, of the distance that's created. It speaks of separation from the presence of God. So he's saying here, if there's no love, if you don't love, that you're bound to a place of separation from the true presence of God. This is why, <clears throat> as the Lord said to me years ago, one step out of love is really a step into the arena where death can function and rule. And he said, don't do it. And then he said, uh, everybody steps out of it. He said, everybody makes mistakes, but be lightning fast to get back. This is why I spoke on forgiveness for two sessions. I mean, it's not that you don't get angry and get hurt by people, but you learn not to keep being hurt. You learn to release, to let go, to let it drop, because it's not worth being separated from the presence of God. It's not worth not having God's power in your life. All those things just hinder everything that God wants to do. You cannot, like we talked about in prayer, you cannot come to God in prayer with unforgiveness in your spirit and think God's going to 
answer was some mighty move of his spirit because it says when you have ought against your brother, whatever you're thinking about doing at the altar and in prayer, leave it, forget it, go get right first, go get right first. But we know, he said, we, the, the thing that makes us know that we've passed out of death into the life is because we find ourselves loving. Now, at least wanting to love. See, when I first grasped this, I realized I wasn't good at it, but I found I wanted to be kind. You know, kindness came uh, to a depth I'd not understood. I remember I have sadly this blood and guts testimony in and out of prison and violence and what have you. And, you know, I was sadly, you know, uh, I was sadly, you know, I'd, I'd been around a lot of violence. I've been around a lot of blood and guts and stuff. And, you know, and you had to like be crazy and be angry to survive uh, in some cases in the penitentiary in the years that I was there. And so you always thought, get back, as opposed to love, to say the least. You didn't feel like loving anybody in the prison, let me tell you. But here he's saying, this is what something happens. See, when we receive Jesus, a new heart, the heart of stone is taken out and the heart of flesh is put in there, and you find yourself wanting to love. You find yourself wanting to. And I've got to be clear about this. You find yourself wanting to love takes over wanting to be loved. Now, that's a crucial thing that happens in the true born-again experience. It's not that you, you see, see, it's not about you anymore. The love of God is in whole new quality. You live, your focus is on how can I help this person? How can I help this situation? It takes you away from you. It takes the self, the self out of you. And you find yourself, again, like Jesus, esteeming others more than you esteem yourself. Now, that isn't to pat you on the back and say you're some great dude. No, but it's just the truth. This is what happens when Christ's redemption really happens. The love of God, the way we know we've been transferred out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light is because we love the brethren. And then, like I said, he says again, he who does not love abides. That means to live. You remain, you're held and kept continually in spiritual death. Now, you see, this is the thing. I'm an American citizen. I've been in Britain over 34 years now, coming, well, 35 years, actually. But you know what? It's an amazing. I still hold an American uh, California driver's license. But you know what? I can get on the English motorways, and I can get on the left-hand, I mean, excuse me, the right-hand side of the motorway, which is where we Americans drive. We drive on the right-hand side. But you know, in this nation, I can get on the right-hand side. I can drive down that motorway. And do you know that British police will have the audacity to pull me over and come up to me and say, you're messing up, you're doing wrong. But see, I can show them my U.S. passport and I can say, look at this. I'm a U.S. citizen. We drive on the right-hand side of the road in the States. And you know what that couple's saying? He'll look me straight in the face and say, son, you ain't in America right now. You're in England. And on the in, in England, you drive on the left-hand side of the road. Now, you've got to catch the meaning of this. See, there's not, the Bible only teaches two kingdoms. The kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of light, the kingdom of God's love, the kingdom of Satan, which is you know full of hatred and everything else. thing is this. See, you can be born again. You can have your born-again birth certificate right? And you know that you have rights 
as a Christian, just like I have rights as an American citizen. But when I voluntarily left America and came over here, see, my American rights are not officially recognized in Britain because I have, I have intentionally left that, as it were, kingdom, and I've come over to the United Kingdom. And now, because I'm in this kingdom, by the fact that I've made the choice to come here, I need and I will have to abide by the laws of this land. And see, this is what the Apostle John's trying to get at. If you can be a Christian, you can have your Christian birth certificate and all that, but if you keep making the choice to stay angry, to be full of resentment, to have strife in your life, unforgiveness, you are intentionally making the choice to step out of the kingdom of God, where all of your rights are, into the kingdom of darkness. You intentionally do that by your lack of desire to stay in the love of God, to stay in the kingdom principles. And let me tell you, in the kingdom of darkness, guess who rules there? His name is Satan. Guess who rules there? And see, you've got to catch this. There are only two kingdoms. So this is why when you have that stuff in your spirit, when you choose to stay out, when you step out of love into this, into strife, ill will, unforgiveness, you step into an area where Satan has the absolute right to defeat your prayers, to defeat your request, to defeat your healing or whatever else it may be, because you're in his territory now and he rules there. I wish people could see how simple this is. This is why, like I said, it's not that we don't get angry, we don't get upset, but man, you learn, you find how to lightning fast get back. It's not worth it. Yeah, I get angry at my wife still sometimes, as beautiful as she is, hallelujah, and wonderful as she is, but I still, you know what, and I don't, but I refuse to stay angry. I get upset at some of the things people do in churches, just like you do too, but you know what, I refuse to stay upset. I'm called to love with the love of God. I've discovered the simple truth. Berating, attacking, however you want to put it, being angry, being upset, showing my resentment, always talking about disappointment. All that does is keep me bound to a kingdom that I do not want to be bound to. I don't want to have anything to do with it. I want to stay connected to God. Don't you? Seriously, don't you want to stay connected to God? So the way we know, and see, there's not, like I said, I did this thing years ago about two kingdoms. There's the positive side and the negative side of the two kingdoms. And let me just read them off real quick. In the kingdom of God, where there's love, the kingdom of love, in other words, you got love. In the kingdom of uh, darkness, where Satan rules, you got hatred. Love, hatred. God's kingdom, light. Satan's kingdom, darkness. God's kingdom, truth. Satan's kingdom, lies. God's kingdom, life. Satan's kingdom, death. God's kingdom, peace. Satan's kingdom, confusion. God's kingdom, blessings. Satan's kingdom, curses. God's, blessing, God's kingdom, harmony. God, uh, Satan's kingdom, strife. God's kingdom is full of health. Satan's kingdom is full of disease. God's kingdom is full of prosperity. Satan's kingdom is full of poverty. Simple, simple, simple stuff, right? But he who does not love binds himself, binds himself to the kingdom of darkness. Let me just read it again. He who does not love abides, remains, is held. 
and kept continually in spiritual death. You're kept continually in a place where you're separated from the strength of God's presence. That's not what we want, and that's not what you want. So we're going to stop for today. Like I said, we've got so much more ahead of us. But remember the first verse we shared. What manner of love is this that the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God? See what an incredible quality of love this is. That you've been called God's child. You're God's child. You're God's child. More than your parents. You're God's child now because of the blood of Jesus. This love is different than any other love you've ever known. The more you seek God, the more you stay in the Word, the more you stay before Him in prayer, the more revelation begins to come of the strength of this. I'm loved by God. Uh, what can man do to me? What I don't care if they kill me. I'm loved by God. I've got eternal life now. So do your best. Make this decision. When you step out of love, you step into darkness, but jump right back into light. Don't linger there. Please, don't allow yourself to stay upset, to stay angry, to stay resentful. Just realize the strength of what God's will is for you. Realize it's not worth the price I'll have to pay if I stay in that area, okay? I will not, I do not, I cannot keep paying that price because I've seen what it's done to me in my past. I'm going to stay in the love of God. No matter what anybody else does, it makes no difference. But as for me, I'm going to stay in the love of God to the best of my ability. Do I still slip it? Oh, slip up? Of course I do. But like I said, I am with humility. I'm so quick to get back to it because I've seen this truth. I do not want to be held in spiritual darkness, and neither do you. Now, Father, I just pray that this helps our people. I pray in the name of Jesus again that the light of this truth gathers them, strengthens them. In Jesus' name, 